following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. everybody welcome to another episode here at the uh, kick by podcast uh the podcast uh, dojo for inspirational martial arts talk i am your host tj williams fourth degree black belt of the chuck norris system though with 26 years of experience here to give you the insight of my martial arts journey discussing analyzing martial arts based subjects and highlight individuals involved in martial arts past present and future all right just to start this episode off uh, for those who are just joining me for the first time this is a pre-recorded episode so whatever i talk about in this episode is either going to pass or gonna coming up and for those uh this is uh, gonna be the first episode of the new year so of course hope everybody enjoyed their christmas holiday and i know people are still um enjoying their presence and in this case um if you live in the western new york area i know we got hit with the winter blaster with um the blizzard i mean luckily where i'm from um, i didn't get hit too much but uh i know buffalo had suffered you know people of course um sadly we had some people that um uh, were um that died um during the um blizzard so i hope um i pray for their families and um, I hope things are going to get well when uh, the weather kind of slows down. But nevertheless, we got so many people that are still stuck out there and they definitely need our help to get them out there. But um, like I said, I'm pretty much good with Niagara Falls right now and we're still dealing with snow falling down. But nevertheless, um, we're out. To, we're we're going to be ready for this new year coming up. I mean, roughly one more week of 2022 and we're into 2023. All right. So with that being said, I have a guest with me that's going to start the first episode of the new year um, coming from Kansas City, Missouri, uh, being um, actually done various martial arts styles. And of course, she's the cone owner of Kendrick's Protective um, Arts, that which is a Filipino style of martial arts. And she agreed to come talk to me today about her journey and let's uh, should I say share her journey. So I like everybody to say hello to Jackie Bradbury and I hope everything's going well in um, Kansas, Kansas City, Missouri. So how you doing, Jackie? Doing great. We're a little cold, got a little bit of snow, uh, but nothing like you guys have up in New York. Yeah. I mean, I would have been better off moving to Las Vegas so I had to worry about dealing with snow. <laughs> <laughs> I lived there for a year. Um, uh, it was awesome. I have to say, I liked it. <laughs> yeah. I, I get a lot of energy when it's hot. So Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I like cold weather. I moved from Texas to get this, so I'm actually not complaining at all. <laughs> all right. So I understand that you do so many of um, these various martial arts. So what martial arts did you actually um, been through? All right. So um, uh, primarily uh, I teach and study Filipino martial arts. Uh, what we do here at our school, Kindred Protective Arts, is a style that we call Prestasarnis. There's actually several flavors of this. Um, it is a blend of modern Arnis as uh, created by uh, Professor Remy Pressis and Combaton as created by Great Grandmaster uh, Ernesto Pressis. Yes, they were brothers. Um, there's actually a third brother, uh, Great Grandmaster uh, Roberto Pressis. I have not had the opportunity to train in any of his systems or styles, so we don't really can include that. Uh, so our blend is is uh, those two styles kind of put together uh, into a cohesive whole. Okay, so we're definitely going to discuss that later in the um, interview. But one thing is, you're, as my guest, we're going to highlight your journey as um, a martial artist. So, of course, the first question would be, how would you describe yourself before getting into martial arts? So basically, who were you? Sure. Um, uh, unlike a lot of other people uh, who teach and train in the martial arts or own martial arts schools, I did not do martial arts as a child. I did not do it as a teenager. Um, in fact, I didn't even consider martial arts until my oldest daughter uh, joined a taekwondo school um, in a suburb of Memphis that we lived in at the time. 
And uh, I had gone through sort of like a midlife crisis and I was looking to get healthier. And one of the things I wanted to do was to get more physically active. And to be honest, picking up heavy weights and putting them down again is not my idea of a good time. And I had blown out my knees. I was a runner. Um, uh, I, was a, I was an athlete as a teenager, blew out my knees. Uh, so running, biking, those things were not really something I could do. So my husband suggested, because he had started doing Taekwondo with her, um, just kind of keep her engaged as kind of like a family thing. He suggested that I join the, join them at Taekwondo. And I'm like, okay, fine. I'll try it, I guess. Fell in love first day. Um, and uh, I went from doing nothing to doing uh, martial arts uh, at that time, three times a week. Um, and that was all the classes that they offered. And uh, so that was in April of 2008. Um, and then, uh, so before then I was, I worked really hard. I worked 60 hour weeks. I didn't do anything fun outside of watch TV and play video games, that kind of stuff. I didn't, I was not physically active. Um, and so like a lot of, uh, a lot of women in particular, uh, will often get into martial arts as an adult via their children, uh, joining training and then falling in love with it themselves. Um, and that was true for me. That, that's absolutely 100% true for me. That's man. Out there. man, I can um, definitely relate to you, your knees bone now because I currently um, I'm recovering from knee surgery because I uh, ruptured my patellar tendon. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, of course, um, I'm, I don't know. If mostly the common injury is like the ACL and uh, like all the rest of the small tendons. But, you know, for me, my um, condition it's rare that you um, rupture your patellar tendon and then next, you know, you can't even walk. So, I mean, right now I'm just getting myself um, recovered. I mean, luckily I can skip back to doing like martial arts. I mean, I can't do any other physical things like running and jumping. So that's going to be coming yeah. later. So once I fully recover. You know, it's, it's inevitable that when martial adult martial artists get together, we will inevitably compare training injuries, joint replacements, um, uh, fantastic surgeries and all the scars and all the training uh, implications. Um, so I'm glad that we got to that early. Yeah. <laughs> of course, like going into your like um, interest in martial arts, like when you first took your lessons, I mean, like beforehand, I guess you didn't have much of an interest, but you mm -hmm. um, you kind of went in there because uh, your husband kind of like persuade you or say he, he suggested that I joined them. So it was my daughter and my husband in class. So me, I only had one daughter at the time. Now I have two. Uh, <clears throat> I credit martial arts training with getting my second one actually. Um, but uh, uh, I joined them in class and um, I have, I'm, I'm a very future oriented person. Um, you know how people tend to either have three mindsets. They'll either think about things in the past, you know, people who are past oriented, people who are, who are future oriented. So always anticipating what comes next and people who kind of live in the now, right? And we all have elements of all three, but we tended to be one or the other. Uh, me, I'm a future oriented person. I'm constantly trying to think about what comes next, anticipating this, anticipating that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm planning trips I'm going to take in three years. You know, that's just kind of how my brain works. Um, and so as a consequence, I've struggled with insomnia most of my life because my brain will not shut down. But I noticed very quickly uh, in training, because in martial arts training, it focus, you have to be in the now. You have to focus on right now in this moment, and you can't worry about anything that happened. You can't worry about anything that's going to happen. All you can do is be in the now. And by forcing my mindset into that in training, it had the effect of drastically improving my struggles with insomnia because my brain could shut down. It was awesome. It was a really, I wrote about it in my blog um, as an uh, unexpected side effect that nobody told me about because I had no idea that would happen. And um, uh, it's really been a, a, that, I noticed that very, very early. And that's one of the big aha moments that kept me engaged outside of the, enjoying the physical fitness of it, enjoying the um, camaraderie with my family and enjoying the challenge, the physical challenge that martial arts provides. Yeah, I can pretty much relate. Like, um, I don't have asomnia, but, you know, I'm, of course, I've had um, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, you know, ADHD. You know, mm -hmm. in some cases, I know I get flashbacks of um, things that happened in the past. You know, I've been the subject of bullying and there's you no, know, it gets to me sometimes, you know, I have to get up and let that anger out. And, you know, 
of course, if I like something happens to me like today, and then I like think about what's going to happen tomorrow, it's like I get all worried. It's like I want to change what's going to happen to me tomorrow, but you know, I shouldn't have to. Like you said, you should worry about the now and not worry about what's going to happen tomorrow. So what happens tomorrow? I mean, I have to deal with it. And of course, that's what some people can deal with. I mean, it's like if, if something happened, bad happened today, it's like, I mean, I, I don't want to wait to what happens tomorrow. I want to at least deal with it now and just right. like, yeah. So, yeah, I, yeah, it, <clears throat> that forcing of my mind into the present um, and being being mindful of the present um, was a really massive uh, benefit. And I don't know that we talk about that enough in the martial arts. We always talk about our physical um, benefits, but we don't really talk about the mental benefits uh, enough. And um, I, I think that's why it's great, even no matter what kind of martial arts style you study um, or the reasons that you study. Because not everybody struggle, not everybody studies to get into a fight. I mean, I'm in my mid-50s. I'm not getting in any fights. I'm a little stubby fat girl. It ain't gonna happen, right? That's not that's not my training goal at all. But for some people, that's how they like to be. That's what their that's what their focus is. And all of those are valid. Um, but that that side effect of of the mental uh, training, I think is, it might be the better side, uh, versus the physical. Yeah. I mean, we focus so much on my physical ability. I mean, yeah, but yeah, it's like, usually with my students, like, I just tell them that when you're defending yourself, you're not defending yourself, like physically, you're defending yourself mentally. Like people are going to attack you mentally and you got to learn how to defend yourself against them. You know, they like, a lot of people like to attack the weak-minded, and uh, and next, you know, you know, the weak minded is just like trapped in that person's, um, well, person's guilty pleasure, I would like to say, like, it's their guilty pleasure to destroy you mentally, as well as physically. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I like the, it, it, I do believe that there's a certain level of mental confidence that comes, um, a calmness. Um, and again, I do Filipino martial arts, and we're not known for being meditative. <laughs> it's just not how we roll, right? But it still has that side effect um, of mindfulness, of um, presence, of calmness, of confidence. That really, I think, I think you end up carrying yourself a little bit differently. Um, and I, I, I believe that that is uh, a positive. Uh, side effect of uh, people don't tend to bully people who are calm and confident. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much like, let's talk about like the evolution, evolution of bullying. It's like things were just like years ago, you just like tell people like, you can't do this, you can't do that. And then now with the rise of technology, it's like, you rather not tell that person in their face, like what you, what they think of you, but you rather do it like text by texting, like by messaging, it's like, you know, I'm here talking about you, but you can't see me. I'm I'm hiding behind the computer. So I guess that's like the disadvantage of like dealing with um, bullying mentally. I mean, versus mm -hmm. physically when that person is in front of you and they saying these things and then next, you know, it gets to the point where they physically bully you. It's like, that's pretty much where I see it right now. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yep. All right. So, of course, let's talk about like uh, your first um, lesson. So what would describe like what was what was your first le lesson like? Well, it, it's kind of like I, I had two stars to the martial arts. So um, I started in a version of Taekwondo uh, with my kid, with my kid and my husband um, in April of 2008. Um, soon after, um, my Arnie's teacher came in, um, they had open spots that they didn't have classes in the school. And he noticed that he, and the school had like an after school program. And so he was putting his daughter, who's about the same age as my older one, um, in, uh, aftercare. And he said, Hey, you got these empty nights. I'm looking to get people to train with me in Arnie's because at the time he was about the equivalent of about like a green belt. Um, and, uh, he needed people to train with to help get better. Right. Cause you can't, you cannot get better by yourself. You, it's just not possible, especially in yeah. the Filipino martial arts. So, uh, he kind of suckered us in and he handed us a stick and he said, okay, now do this. And we're like, okay. And fell in love with it immediately. And so I, I found my true path as a martial artist, a couple of months after I took my first lesson. So it's kind of like I had two births. <laughs> the first one was in the martial arts world in general. 
Um, and I loved it. I went from zero to a hundred immediately. And then when my our niece teacher came in and, and I, I, cons- I I don't know the exact date. So I used June as my as my uh, anniversary date in our niece. Um, that is when everything went, whoa, you know, and then I started doing martial arts six times a week. <laughs> so um, that's, yeah, as, as, as much as he would train with us is how much I trained. And so um, uh, that was pretty amazing. Um, uh, just the challenge of it. And I, I can't say why it captured my imagination. I think partly because, again, when I started, I was about, I turned I, so it's in 2008. I turned 40 in um, in August of 2008. So I was just shy of 40 years old when I started training. And um, uh, I don't know. Uh, I've I, I fell in love with weapons. I like weapons a lot. And uh, honestly, it hurts me less to hit you with an object than to hit you with my fist. So I like that. I like less pain for me, more pain for you. That's kind of how I roll. So I just kind of it really captured my imagination. Um, and then uh, uh, in we moved uh, from Mississippi, from Memphis to Las Vegas for a year. And then we ended up in Texas for a year. Um, and so we were kind of like just me and my husband training together what, what little we knew um, until we found my current teacher, uh, Mark Lynn, in Texas. And I started training Presses Arnie's full time. And one of the few people that I truly consider uh, Arnie's as my primary style um, it's not something that I do on top of like Taekwondo or karate or Tang Sudo or whatever. Yeah. It's my primary style. All the other stuff I've studied is kind of like side effects to Arnie's. Arnie's is where, where it is. <laughs> love Arnie's. Love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. So <laughs> I do it every day if I can. <laughs> yeah. So of course with Arnie's is that that's like your base of the house. Like everything else is just like, um, like furniture. Exactly. You know, or like, you know, uh, my base system is a PlayStation, but then the other things I have are like little games that can go in it. <laughs> yeah. <that's laughs> right? yeah. 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 It's always great to pick that one style. That's like the base of your house. Like for me, it's a Chuck Norris system. I've been doing it for 26 years. So, I mean, sure. every, everything else that if I go to like a seminar and learn another style, I mean, that's like furniture. I mean, I'm going to use it mm-hmm. to keep, make sure that that house doesn't fall over at least better my house, but yet, I mean, I'm not going to use it as a base because I'm always loyal to the base that I um, built the house. Yeah. With. And it's not necessarily like, uh, I mean, I know what you mean by loyalty and it's not necessarily like loyal, like, you know, uh, I, I pledge allegiance kind of thing. It's more of you have found the, the style uh, and the approach and the system and the teaching methodology and the philosophy that touches your heart, right? I have found mine and they're not the same, but that's okay. They don't have to be the same. Um, it's all good. And um, uh, as much as I, I study other things and I do, I mean, I, I earned a black belt in Kobodo, uh, uh, um, uh, uh, the Japanese weapons. Um, I went through a three and a half year program to earn a black belt in those in those in a, in a system of that. And, um, just because I like weapons and, uh, any chance I have to train cross train and weapons, I do just cause I'm, I'm infinitely interested in every tool possible to use in a self-defense situation. So yeah, that's cool. Yeah. And of course, um, you say you're really, very, um, fascinated with weapons. So other than like, um, the weapons you, um, lose in our niece, um, well, what's what's other favorite weapons do you like to use? Well, okay, so in our niece we have sticks, um, we have swords, we have like shorter swords, and we have knives. Um, we also have palm sticks, which is kind of like um, kind of like the length of a pen almost. Think of like a, a you would know them as kubuton, you know the, those little like yeah, those they're like about yay big. Um, we have those. Um, uh, we also have, uh, it's not known for it, uh, but the FMAs do have staff. Um, we use a five foot staff. Um, it's also can be interpreted as spear. Um, I don't tend to teach that interpretation mainly because I haven't learned it well enough myself yet. Um, but it's something that I'm desperate to try to figure out, um, uh, staff versus spear because they are different, uh, which end, uh, you have matters <laughs> in a, in a staff in a spear when it doesn't so much in the staff. Um, uh, I, I, and so in that program, I learned six foot staff. So I learned bow. Um, I learned tonfa. 
um, I learned um, nunchaku and I learned sai. Um, I learned just a smattering of kama before I left. And uh, I've also studied Joe off and on the forefoot staff, Japanese staff. Um, of all those, Joe is the best. Joe is the best. If you go into a fight and you can't have a blade, the Joe is the bomb. It's the best weapon. I love it to pieces. Um, uh, I came to like staff, longer staff. I teach five foot, but I have six foot as well. And believe me, the length does matter. It matters a lot. Um, uh, but the weapon I thought I was going to love was tonfa, and I don't. I ended up like, yeah, they're a little fussy for me. Um, the weapon that I thought I was going to hate and that I did not want to learn because there's so much shenanigans about it is nunchaku, and I love them. I love them a lot, and I'm actually teaching them in our school in 2023, uh, and the Filipino martial arts are called, well, they've got a lot of different names depending on which island and which dialect you're talking about, um, tabak tayak, or we're just calling them chaco. Um, now, the shorter handle, longer chain that you see, like uh, there's uh, the, the famous image of Bruce Lee with that big, with that that's Tabak Tayak, that's not Nunchaku, because he learned how to do that stuff from Dan Anasano. <laughs> He's an FMA teacher in California. And so, yeah, that's Tabak Tayak. Unfortunately, it's very hard to source those without making them yourself, and I don't have the skill. So I'm just teaching regular Nunchaku style, but we're using, we're, we're teaching Arnie's concepts using that tool. This weapon is really, really uh, popular in the FMA world. Um, lots of FMA people will play with this weapon. So, yeah, so we teach staff and, and, and Chaco and then all the other FMA stuff. Um, I've never studied like Japanese sword. Honestly, I don't have a lot of interest in it. The only, the only knowledge I have about it is based on my Joe training because Joe, Japanese Joe was developed specifically to defeat Katana. So that's why, that's what I know about it. Um, uh, I have not had the opportunity to train it. And honestly, I just, I don't know. I just, maybe, maybe I'd, I'd change my mind like I did about Nunchaku. Maybe I would, I, I don't know. Um, Sai, I dislike with the passion of a million burning suns. Um, I think they're dumb, uh, personally. And I know a lot of Sai people out there are, are gasping because they love them. And I get it. I understand why you do. Um, I just, don't I don't like them I don't think they're practical at all there's very little in our environment that translates to Psy uh, however I will say that doing Psy makes you really good at grip manipulating grips with knives so there's a reason to study it hooray um yeah so uh <laughs> so those are all the weapons that I've, I've experienced um there is a uh a, a, a historical European martial arts school near us. Um, if I had the time, I would go train with them um, and learn like long sword. They, they, they use German uh, 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 sparring rules and philosophy. So they have like long sword, they have like great sword, they have spear, they have a bunch of stuff. I'm interested in that stuff, but honestly, there's always so much time of the day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's like a lot of information getting of like all these weapons that you explain. It's like almost I want to try to do and do because when I um, trained, you know, I learned how to use a bow staff. I mean, I learned uh -huh. like two different katas. Like I've learned like a slow version of a kata, which would acquire a heavy bow. But in, like mm -hmm. the second kata, which I had to do for my fourth degree black belt test, it was like mm -hmm. a fast paced kata. It's like I had to use like a light bow. And of course. Yeah. We, um, in our school, we do have forms, we call them Anyos. Um, however, they are direct translations. Well, I'll take it back. There's one form that I have that we're now calling uh, Anyo 6 um, that is based on the Kobodo form that I learned back in Texas. Um, and it's kind of like extra for people to just practice with at home. Um, we do have Anyos and uh, the staff Anyo and the Chaco Anyo are from uh, our or niece Anyos. We have we have four uh, sta a stick or sword, depending on how you want to interpret it, uh, forms. Um, and uh, so our staff is di directly related to those forms. We just converted them from uh, stick and, and sword into staff and chaco. 
Um, I, we're not a big form heavy school. Um, our forms are like ridiculously short um, and we do more drills. And so everything we do in our forms is directly related to drills that we teach. Um, so that it's very, very, there's no interpretation here. It's, this is exactly what you're doing because it comes from this. We did this because it's in this drill. We did that because it's in this drill. So that's why we do that. Um, our forms aren't real pretty to look at. Our forms are intended to supplement um, drills that we do in class when people don't have anybody to train with at home. That's, that's it. Um, so you said you had a light staff. Was it, uh, was it like the four footer? Like the 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 two thick uh, four footer the the speedbow. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it's a speedbow. I mean, you know, you got yeah. all these different, but it usually could be a wooden one, and then you got like uh almost like, like light metal. Fiberglass and all. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, funny story about that. All right. So, in the Taekwondo school I was in, um, he also taught uh, weapons pretty early, um, and uh, uh, <laughs> the the girl's getting ready for her second degree black belt test, and she was going to do a form just like you were describing with that that her dad brought her. And this this was in 2008, bought her an $80 fiberglass, fancy, fancy bow. Now she intended to use it in competition as well as for her test. She's doing her thing, right? Spencer's thing. It grazed the mat, broke it just like that. Ooh. 80 bucks gone, just like that. Oh man. Yeah. It's like when I watch competition, that's usually what happened with people. They usually they're doing so good. And next, you know, the bow breaks. Yeah. No, I, we, I've seen broken bow. We use um, in the Kobodo program, we use six foot white oak bow. So they're really, really dense and they're very, very heavy and they're intended for hitting. So like the six foot red oak that you can get from like century, don't hit things with that very hard. It will break. I've seen it. Okay. But we've broken white oak as well. My, my teacher was doing a demo at, we had like a demo days thing in the, in the, in the town we we're in. And he was doing a demo and sure enough, he hit it. This kid blocked and it, it, it went, it went spring. So it was like half it, 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 on the, on the wood grain and it broke here. So part came up this way, part came up this way and the rest of it was solid. Oh. Just broke it just right in the middle. Boom, just like that. It was, it, that was the craziest break I've ever seen of a bow. It was, wow. <laughs> Usually you see a tip knocked off, but no, no, no. This was, yeah, that, that, that was pretty amazing that he broke that bow like that. Yeah, I mean, and also you talk about like the Tafa is not your best weapon. You know, I'm definitely working with the Tafa also. And well, just speaking of the Tafa, you know, I like, before I kind of worked with the um like the regular tafas, like my instructor, my master instructor, he had like two PR24s that kind of worked with the strength. And you know, when working with PR24s is a lot difficult than working with wooden um tafas, because you know, you got the heavy um well, I'm getting good with it because you know, I think of mm -hmm. um like uh I mean, I don't know if you're a fan of pro wrestling, but you know, there's one pro wrestling oh, named sure. big, the big boss man, because he had uh -huh. the yeah, yeah, the nice sticks, yeah. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Sure yeah. do. Yeah, well, you know, my, okay, so I like Tonfa, in my opinion, a person who doesn't know anything else about weapons, because you cannot just pick up weapons and start doing karate with them. Okay, you just can't. All right. I understand the weapon is the extension of the hand, but that is a great oversimplification as a weapons person. I'm telling you, it's oversimplified. But in my opinion, I think an empty hand martial artist, a person who's used to punch kicking, can absolutely pick up Tonfa. And as long as they keep them and they keep the grip where it's it's up against their arm, right? I think you can do karate with Tonfa and use them effectively. I absolutely believe that to be the case. That is one of the few weapons that I think would work like that. You know, and I, so I don't I don't get why empty hand people just absolutely love staff because to me Tonfa is the easiest weapon for them. I mean you don't have to flip them. You don't. You can literally just keep it here and just do all your punching, and that would be devastating. That would hurt so much. And just you know imagine your blocks, you know, with with that Tonfa, right? I think it would work great. And and I don't understand. I don't see a lot of that in Tonfa people, and, and it just kind of perplexes me because as a weapons person, I think 
that should be the first weapon that empty hand people should get because it should be pretty easy for you. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. You hit- <laughs> it's easy. There's nothing wrong with easy. Easy's good. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you hit the nail on the head because you know you talk about using tafas for traditional martial arts moves. That's me. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, and when you do um, when you do uh, traditional arts and you see things that people are doing, it looks to me like if you put a tafa in your hand, that is going to be way better. Because sometimes you like, you're like, mm, I don't know about that. Because I blocked that way and it hurt. <laughs> well, you put a tough up against your arm, let's see what happens, right? You know, so yeah, a tougher were not my favorite, mainly because I just I don't like flippy flippies, and people insisted that it has to be that way, and I don't think that's true. Now, what I did was I flipped the tougher around, so I had them by the ends and the handles were up there, and I just did our knees. <laughs> Boom! I'm good to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, I guess the worst thing about having Tafa is that your his hands get all sweaty, and the next you know, the Tafa flies out of your hand, and the next you know, this hits somebody else. Yeah. Oh, I've so I, I in, in in my Kobodo class that happened more than once. People were like, "Oh, watch out!" Everybody's ducking. Yeah. Yeah, and ours were white oak. I mean, we use we use heavy, dense weapons in that program they they order them special from a special uh weapons maker and so these these aren't like the stuff you get from century that are kind of like you know the joints are kind of loose and stuff no 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 this was hardcore and uh uh boy you don't want to get hit by one of those tafa flying mm-hmm. let me tell you, that that would be bad very bad all right so let's kind of get to you like your favorite moment do you have any favorite moments that um that you think about like like as you like train or pretty much in your past, like what do you think like this is the best moment for you? Um, I have been very blessed in my martial arts career, I guess. Um, uh, I have been, I've had amazing teachers and um, continue to have amazing teachers. Um, uh, my students are amazing. Um, I think my best moments are ahead of me, to be honest. Um I, yeah, and, okay, so what we're working on right now um, in July, uh, we'll be promoting our first black belt uh, that my husband and I have brought up from, from the beginning. It'll be our first black belt for our school. And um, uh, we actually, before the school opened, the school opened in September of 2021, but we've been acting as a meetup since 2018. We moved to Kansas City in June of 2018. Two weeks later, we started the meetup. And, and so we, we've had students with us since 2018, even though the school didn't open until 2021. Um, so we're getting ready to promote our first. And then right after the him, there's two more behind him that'll be in March of 2024. And so the process of getting ready for our black belts and, you know, we get to decide like, what's the process? What's the ceremony? What, what ritual are we putting around it? Right. What traditions are we going to instill in our school? That is awesome. It is better than getting promoted to black belt. I'll tell you that right now, getting ready to promote your first student to black belt is awesome it's the best it i i there's no better moment in the martial arts i don't think you know when you when you're a teacher and you finally have a student who's at that level you're like yeah mm -hmm, yep he's learned enough now it's time it's it's amazing so i think that's ahead of me to be honest and talking about like your experience with a black belt test uh of course you said you had a black belt test and what style okay so all right so i had a formal the only time Okay, so I I have two black belt promotions. Okay, uh, outside of like multiple dance since then, right? So my 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 first one was in Presses Arnis. Um, uh, I was secretly tested and surprise promoted. I had no idea until they handed me the belt. Didn't know. It was amazing. <laughs> Looking back on it, it was incredible. Um, my teacher in Texas had us go to my teacher. My original teacher in Memphis was having a seminar, an Arnie seminar. And so the tradition in that group is that people get together on Friday night and they play Arnie's until we can't play anymore. And then we get together for the seminar on the next day. And so my teacher came to that. And that's not usual for him. We would go, but usually he didn't go. But he came this time. 
which was great. I mean, my teacher's kind of like, um, my teacher's name is Mark Lynn and Mark is the eternal student. He will study with anyone, anywhere, anytime, if he can get there. That's kind of his thing. He takes notes. He, his fun time on a Saturday night is studying notes from a seminar he attended 15 years ago, and he'll get an insight into, into his notes that he didn't have before because he's, it's 15 years later. That's how my teacher rolls. So he goes to the seminar and Friday night's normal. And looking back in the moment, I didn't notice, but looking back, it was kind of fishy because all of the grandmaster, uh, uh, the, his name is Bruce Chu. All of his seniors are playing with both Kevin and I, and that wasn't normal. I played with everybody in the room, but they made like a point to play with me and Kevin, which was different. But, you know, again, in the moment, didn't notice it. Next day, seminar comes. We do the seminar, and 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 they do promotions for my for my teacher David, um, the Memphis guy. Um, there and they were doing promotions, and Mark's up there, and I'm like, okay, well, Mark's up there as a guest. You know, he's he's a black belt. He's you know that that's courtesy, and he's holding our niece black belts. I don't know if you've seen our black belts. Um, ours are black with like a red edge, and he's got our niece black belts, and he's standing up there. I'm like, who of David's students is getting promoted? Because I didn't, I didn't know. I was like, oh, how cool, right? And then <laughs> they finished the promotions for David's group. And then David and Bruce and Mark look at me and Kevin. And we're like, then it hit me. Oh my gosh, he's up there for us. We had no idea, no idea. So we were surprised promoted to first degree in front of our original Memphis friends by my current teacher, by my original teacher, my degree, my, my first degree signed by all of them. Um, and it was a surprise. So it was awesome. I was secretly tested and surprise promoted. It was, the, it was the best. I loved it. Um, and then my, the first time I actually tested, tested that I knew it was happening, um, was in my COVID-o first degree. Um, and, um, uh, uh, in Kota, I was kind of like a peacock among swans because they were all karate and taekwondo people and myself and just a couple other people were Arnie's people. And so like whenever I'd go, I had to wear like a white gi, which I don't wear. Um, and but <laughs> I, I wore my belt belt and I wore we wear ours um, on our um on our hip because it represents my my teacher, the founder of modern East was left-handed. So we wear it on our right hip, right? So I inevitably someone said, hey, your black belt's crooked. No, it's not. This is the way we were in our knees. Oh, okay. So three years into it, you know, um, and I was really nervous because mainly because there's so much etiquette that they care about. And in our knees, we're very chill. At least in my in my world, in our knees, we're chill. We're very chillaxed. So, you know, my my stressing was more about, you know, walking so I wasn't too loud on the on the wood floor, you know, and I had I practiced my head off and I had no doubt. I mean, they wouldn't let me test if I wasn't going to be promoted. I mean, I knew I was getting promoted, but, you know, just making sure that I I really the nerves in that were more about etiquette and making sure that I um, represented my teacher, Mark, who's a member of that organization. Well, Right. So it was really about making my teacher look good versus myself. So that's what I was more concerned about um, in that in that test. Yeah, those are my two, those are my two first degree. Um, I have other testing that I did, but those are the two big ones. Um, and uh, uh, they were both uh, uh, memorable. Yeah, I mean, getting like your first degree is like always the best um, memory, uh, the best moment that uh, every martial arts have. I mean, mostly mine, because uh, I mean, mostly my black belt test was just basically endurance. It's like how much can I can do to get to the end and without right. quitting. I mean, mm-hmm. I could I could think of like black belt tests like when I had like a football game before that, and luckily I didn't get hurt. <laughs> and of course. Uh, have the, my second degree, I end up with cracked ribs and sciatica. So, I mean, I mean, luckily that I got rid of sciatica. Yeah. yeah. And then of course, uh, going into the black belt test with cracked ribs and hoping I didn't get kicked in the, um, kicked to the ribs. That was like, <laughs> like the end of the test was like sparring. And uh, <laughs> my teacher, my teacher's first degree at our knees, his partner, he was kind of mad at him. Uh, because he was kind of like being lackadaisical in his feeds and, you know, it, it was, it was difficult. Um, and 
he just kind of forgot about it, but he saw his partner years later. And he said, you know, you know, I've always meant to ask you, like, what was going on? He goes, Mark, you hit me in the head. I was concussed. <laughs> he got hit. He was concussed. So that's why he was feeding all that. And I've, I've seen the video. I know the guy was feeding poorly because the man didn't know where he was. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Oh. Yeah. So in, in planning the black belt test for my student, um, uh, you know, there's all different ways. Every organization has their own thing. Um, our belief is that you earn your black belt in class every day. Um, and so our test is not a test. It's more of a graduation. And so in our style, in my school, we have what we call the 12 principles of Preston Sarnies. Um, these are things like relax, these are things like weaponize everything. These are things like find the fight um, in your drills, right? And so uh, our, our black belts are supposed to be able to explain and demonstrate the meaning of all 12 principles. That's what that means. It's not about technique A, B, C, D. That's, that's really not what it's about. And so we're planning on, you know, he, supporting him on, he basically has to do a two and a half, two, two and a half hour, um, a demonstration of his understanding of the 12 principles of Preston Sarnese. That's what he's got to do. And, you know, he's, he's, by the time we get there, he's, he's black belt. I, there's, he is, that's just the way it is. You know, some styles are like that. Like, um, you know, I, I feel very inspired by like, you know, when, when BJJ will just promote somebody in class. Right. Uh, it's, it's kind of like that, but I wanted to have the, the special graduation feel behind it. And that's why we're doing it the way we're doing it. Yeah, like yeah, I can see pretty much um, when I think of my going for a fifth degree, I mean, it's sort of like we go to Vegas and um, well, and then we perform in front of Mr. Norris. And um, mm-hmm. of course, after that, we get our, we go up on the stage and we get our black jackets. And then from there, we do the the, the secret oath or the like we got with sword in. And then from there, it's just we're we're master rake. So that's. Yeah, and the process and the ritual of that is really important. And um, as I've given thought to how to promote our black belts, as we've talked about it, my husband and I, and we've actually talked about it with our senior student who's getting ready to test because he's going to be setting the standard for everybody else, right? And so we're giving a lot of thought to this. And, you know, it's that ritual, the process of graduation um, into that next phase of your training is really important. And um, so we wanted to make it a big deal, but also I just, I don't like tests. I think I'm not a testing person and mainly because, you know, when we do rank evaluations here at our school, we literally do it over a period of about two weeks and it's not, no, no, no one of my students can fail a test, can fail that evaluation. If anybody fails, it's on us. And so it's a matter of we take that evaluation to make sure to touch base on certain skills that we expect each one of those students to have and to make sure that they have done that. And if they have not, it doesn't hold them back. It just means we have to address it to make sure that they're ready for the next thing. Does does that make sense? It's more of the the measurement of of time and progress versus skill sets. Yeah, pretty much I can relate. Like, really, I want to make sure that I'm on top of my, my students training, making sure, of course, they know what they need to know for their next rank. So, yeah, I can relate to what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. That's how we all. All right. So who would you say you look up to in this journey? Wow. Um, there are so many people um, that are inspirational to me. Um I am sure I'll miss names, Um, but uh, every female pioneer before me in every style, um, from judo to FMAs to karate, um, uh, it's, you know, especially when you're an adult, I mean, in kids' classes, it's pretty even, but in in an adult world, uh, women are the minority, and it takes a special kind of person to kind of pioneer that stuff and to kind of blaze the way. It's really difficult sometimes. Um, Again, I'm not a person who's easily intimidated, so I don't care. I mean, uh, it's not unusual for me to be the only woman training at a seminar. Not unusual at all. I went to a camp in Colorado in 2016. 50 people, one woman. 
<laughs> and I'm not intimidated by that. I don't care. Um, and I've only had a negative experience twice in my training time in 14 years, which isn't bad. I mean, everybody has a negative training uh, experience no matter what, right? So yeah. I'm doing pretty good. Um, but I would say I've only had two that were really kind of related to my gender. Um, and that's okay. Those guys suck. I don't care. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. Um, and um, so um, I, I'm always grateful to women who are pioneering and I'm grateful for young women uh, or not necessarily young, new women, uh, because some of us start in our forties and fifties and sixties, um, uh, women who are willing to step on a mat for the first time and take up the journey and, and stay in the journey and stay committed to the journey. Um, I think that that's really inspirational for women inside and outside of the arts. Um, so that's the first one. Um, secondly, I have been blessed with many, many great, a lot of really good advice and inspiration from a lot of people. Um, but mainly the names that come to mind immediately outside of my immediate teachers. I uh, wanted to be Hawk Hawkheim, who is a, uh, he leads um, a, I don't know how to describe it, an organization, I guess, called Force Necessary. Um, he is a direct teacher of my, of my teacher, Mark, as well as my husband, Kevin. But Hawk has always been super supportive of all of our trying to build this school here in Kansas City. Um, he did a benefit for us uh, when we first opened. And he's always been super, super supportive and helpful. And his advice has always been great. Um, another one is a man named Dan Anderson. Dan Anderson is uh, a point, uh, he's a sport karate legend, um, but he's also an Arnese player. Um, he'll be here in March, actually. Um, we're bringing him in. But um, Dan has always been, again, another one of those, you know, uh, bouncing ideas off of. He runs a school in Gresham, Oregon, so he knows the day-to-day -day grind of a school. And, you know, uh, he's always been really, really helpful in terms of uh, asking questions. What do you think about this, that, the other thing? So his advice and his perspective is always welcome. It's always been really good. Um, and uh, uh there's so many others that I don't want to leave out, but those two have been really helpful in our last, especially getting the school off the ground was really difficult. Um, and um, uh, it's difficult for any martial arts school. It's triple hard when you're a Filipino martial arts school, especially when um, you're starting with, we had seven students when we started and now we are at 33, 34. Um, I have to do a count. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting ready to do my end of the year statistics. Um, but I think we're at 33, um, <clears throat> which isn't bad growth in a year and a half. Um, and uh, uh, getting the school up and running. And so people who have helped us and have been supportive uh, of, of getting the school up and running and, and showing up. And of course, I'm super, super 100% mega grateful to every single one of our students who come here and not only do they pay us for the privilege but they've just helped form the kind of community that we wanted kpa uh, is a community we have uh, we have a lot of filipinos in our community which is exciting because they have the best food ever and uh, our, our holiday party was awesome <laughs> and um uh just uh, everybody's just open and warm and welcoming and supportive to each other which is what we wanted to have that's why it's called kindred because we wanted to be like a family yeah i mean it, it kind of feels like um of course uh, my martial arts style the chuck norris and we have the ufaf um the united fine arts federation i mean we have like all these martial artists like from around the world i mean that's pretty much the whole concept of mr norris of uh, just bringing the world together i mean we've been pretty much going against each other for years and then we just don't seem to really put aside our difference and just um be a community and let's learn from each other and like to put this in uh put this in um, a, a different way you know i see how you say you're the only woman that are being like in a seminar and uh, it kind of feels the same way for me like I'm, if i'm the only um male in the, like a fitness class for women you know i'm not gonna be intimidated I mean, I don't find it intimidating to learn from a woman, uh, young and old, um, because, you know, if that person has more knowledge than me, you know, it's, it's, it's best for me to be humble and at least learn, like, how to better myself from that mm -hmm. person. So, yeah, so I can see, yeah, that's what I'm geared up to. Like, I'm not intimidated to learn from a woman or if anybody in, in particular. Sure. Yeah. One of the, the principles, uh, again, uh, the 12 principles of Presses Sarnis, one of them is learn from everyone. 
Um, always have an open mind. We encourage cross-training. We encourage people to go check out other teachers to other styles. Um, you know, uh, we want people to do that. We also ask, so a lot of people come in the Filipino martial arts do have experience in other styles. Uh, one of my top guys uh, is a, um, a Shotokan guy. Um, I have an Aikido guy. I have a boxer uh, and BJJ guy. You know, I, I, we have people from all sorts of martial arts backgrounds, those who do have one. Um, and we don't ask our students to forget that background. Um, we, at, we want them to incorporate it into their RDs. So um, that's why my first black belt will be different than my second and third one, because all three of them have very different martial arts backgrounds. Mm -hmm. yep. And we like that. We're down with that. Oh, definitely. <laughs> Okay. So what inspirational quote best describes your journey? Uh, I don't know that I have a single quote. Um, I mean, <laughs> um, one that I use a lot in my blog um, is, is, I don't know if it's inspirational. Oh, it's inspirational to me is why you meet when tools are available. Um, because I, you know, that's my weapon mindset. Um, but I don't, I don't know that I have a single one. Um, uh, uh, it's, it's really hard to think of, of a single one. Um, I think it's a complex journey and, um, over time, my goals and my beliefs have changed, um, as I trained and I learned more and I met more people and I got more perspectives from people of different ways. And so, um, I, I think I, I, if, I think if I were going to say one thing that really, if there's one word, I think that every martial artist should have in their brain, it's flexibility. You should be flexible. Um, change is the only constant. And so, you know, try, try to keep a flexible, open mind. I think that it, that it enables you to grow as a martial artist. Um, I don't know if you've noticed, there are people out there who will be in one style and they will never cross train. And then they don't, and then they get to a certain level and there's nobody above them anymore. And they get to, and there's no peers. So they're, they're like top guy. They're, all they have is the people underneath them. So they don't have, they don't have teachers. They don't have peers. All they have is students. And then they stop growing because you need all three to grow. So Mr. Norris is a great example. Mr. Norris cross trains in a lot of different styles. He has ha he has teachers. Um, another one who does that is Dan Inasato. So a lot of the, the top greats in the martial arts are students still. They will seek out not only peers, but they also seek out teachers in other styles and they humble themselves and they have that open and flexible mind to continue to learn and to continue to grow. And that's what makes them great, I think. Yeah, I'm, when I think of that, um, I think of um, I watched the movie Bloodsport and Van Damme said it best. It's like, uh, use any technique that works. Don't limit yourself to one style. Keep an open mind. So. Yeah. Well, yeah. And the thing is, like, it's it's fine to be one style, but I think it's a good idea to just be flexible and and see what you can learn. Because um, it, it may not. I mean, I, I there's a lot of things I've 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 gotten perspectives from with people that I've trained where it's more like you know I don't agree with that strategy for this reason, and so it helped me understand my own strategy better. I guess, you know what I'm saying? It's not that my strategy is the best because my teacher said so. My strategy is the best because I've evaluated it. And for me, this works for me, right? And uh, I know that based on getting perspectives, both supporting and against from other people. And that just, that that's why I, I am loyal to my style because I, I believe in it other than just, you know, it's it inertia, right? Yep. I believe in it because I believe in it because I know it. I, I from my heart, I know it's what's right for me. Yeah, just thinking about like uh, of course street situations like self defense. I mean, sometimes mm -hmm. you're going to be fighting standing up. Sometimes you're going to be fighting the ground. So luckily, with my style, we incorporate like uh, BJJ as well as Krav Maga, and you know we still have our traditional mm -hmm. martial arts. And you know, mm -hmm. definitely, you never know what situation you might be. You know. A lot, a lot of people that are out there fighting the streets, you never know. They could be a former martial artist, like trained in BJJ, Krav Maga, and even people that played sports, football, wrestling, you know, they, they're they going to use that to fight on the street. So, Well, know, and, and I think we have to also uh, train for the lives that we actually live, right? Yeah. Um, so I live in suburban Kansas City. 
um, my streets are suburbia. And I'm pretty sure I can take Margaret across the street. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. She's 80. I can take her. Yeah. <laughs> the point being is that we talk about the street, but what that means is different for each one of us and the lives that we actually live. Um, the rules that we have to live under, and I'm sorry, there are rules. Uh, mm -hmm. You say what you want. There's always rules. Laws are rules. Yeah. Um, uh, there's always rules. Um, the situation you're in, the life you live and the people that you interact with are different. I mean, you are a very different person than I am. I am a stubby woman in her mid-50s, a uh, little, little uh uh, I have an artificial hip, you know, and I'm not going to get into this with somebody. It's not going to happen. It's just not the life I live at all. But is it likely that I should be coming out of the grocery store and somebody will try to knock me over and take my, my purse? Yeah, that's the life I live. So I have to think about the life I live and the risks that are most likely for me. That's not likely for you, you know? So it's just, it's different based on each one of our individual lifestyles and our individual lives. And you know, that's why every time somebody goes, well, that won't work on the street. I'm like, well, it'll work on mine. Don't know what to tell you. <laughs> yeah. But of course, every time somebody says that, you can go find a video of it working in real life. And they're like, well, uh. you know, as soon as you script, you think the way the world is, it will show you that it's not what you think. That's why flexibility is the number one value to have, I think. Yeah. I mean, what my students and I always tell them, like, what is your mindset when you get out? Like when you go out, get out, like cry, get out of school. It's like your goal is to get home and your mindset is like not what you're going to do when you get home. It's like, am I going to make it home? So that's what I usually put my put in my students minds. Like you want to think about how I'm going to make it home safe so I can think about like what I'm going to do at home. So, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, all right, ladies and gentlemen, we have reached our uh, se uh, hidden dojo segment of the interview. So this is where we get to hear the fun parts of uh, Jackie um, Bradbury. So I'm going to ask you several questions to answer the best of your ability. So uh, here we go. Are uh, you ready? Let's hit it. All right. The first question is the best piece of advice you've ever gotten and who said it? Man, it, it all depends on what we're talking. Um, okay. Uh, when I opened my school, I opened my school utilizing the uh, small dojo big profits methodology. The idea is that you don't spend a lot of money. You make every penny scream. So the best advice I got was from Mike Massey, utilizing that system to open up my school and making sure that I was able to do it and to get into profitability within a year. Hey, so yeah. Mike Massey, go check him out. Um, his, his book is, uh, uh, small dojo, big profits. It's a fantastic book for people who want to open up a school on a shoestring budget. Awesome. All right. Here's the next question. The worst, the worst advice you ever gotten. Oh my goodness. Uh, yep. My goodness. There's been so much bad advice. Um, golly, I'm, I'm hard pressed to pick one, to be honest. Um, cause usually I just, I just blow that. I just let it go out of my mind. I don't let, I don't let negativity kind of like control my worldview at all. So, you know, I opened the school cause I knew I was going to do it. And, you know, um, it was really risky <laughs> the day, <laughs> the weekend we signed the lease on this school. I signed it on a Saturday. I got laid off from my full-time job on Monday. Oof. And here we are, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, you know, um, it, it wasn't, don't allow other people's limitations limit you, right? Yep. Um, we were told, oh, you know, that's such a big risk. Oh, it's, you know, you're going to lose all this money. Oh, you know, how are you going to make it work? Um, you know, and, and honestly, um, you know, it was a struggle. Sure. And we did it. You can do it. Sure can. Yep. You can do it. And I did it in a martial arts style that's unknown outside of the martial arts world, pretty much. And here I am. So there you go. It can be done. 
So worst piece of advice is really any piece of advice that tells you you can't. You cannot. That's impossible. You'll never make it work. Never, never. That, ignore them. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, Next question. Um, How do you reward yourself? I kind of call this the guilty pleasure. (laughs) Buy another weapon. That works. (laughs) Yeah, I still haven't bought my live Filipino blade because I haven't found the one yet, but I will be sure I will. I'll, I'll find it. So my guilty pleasure is that I will I, I will buy myself weapons all day long to. Yeah, that's that's it. My guilty pleasure. I, I will do it to reward myself. I'll do it just because it's cool. I'll, that's my thing. I, I, I have way more weapons than my I have a problem with weapons. And the problem is I don't have enough places to store it. Yeah. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah kind of sound like Tackleberry. <laughs> yeah. 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 If I know Tackleberry from Police Academy, you know, he's so fond of weapons. He, yeah, he, yeah he's, that's his guilty pleasure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. I, uh, I collect, I, I like weapons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, I have to collect games or collect um, DVDs. I mean, that's could be my guilty pleasure. <laughs> mm-hmm. right. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I like weapons a lot. I, I have a ton of training weapons that I probably shouldn't, I don't need, but I do. I absolutely need them. <laughs> I need every single one of them. <laughs> All right, so <laughs> what, what famous movie would you want to be in? Gosh, that is a fun one. Um, gosh. Um, I wish... <laughs> it's it's dystopian, but I would sure love to be Trinity from the Matrix. That would be awesome. Yeah. That would be uh, cool. That would be cool. Yeah, I'm I'll be I'll be able to be like Neo or a Morph, Morpheus. I mean that that'd be my <laughs> two that'd be my top two people in the Matrix. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, hidden talent. Uh, art. Um, so our logo, our logo, uh, all of our 90% of our social media, um, I designed all of it. Um, I, I'm, I'm good at uh, commercial art. Yeah, I mean, that's me. I mean, I, I couldn't say that's a hidden talent, you know, because I've been drawing for years. I mean, yeah. I mean, right now I'm thinking like for the new year, get out of retirement and start drawing again. Because, you know, I've got a lot of designs in, in mind that I want to do. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah I've got, uh, like, d- drawing, like, by hand, I'm not so good at. Um, but I'm really good at, at like, using tools to create logos, imagery, that kind of stuff. Good at that. Yeah. All right. Uh, dream celebrity encounter. Goodness. Um <clears throat> Yeah, while we're on this matrix theme, I would love to just like have lunch with Keanu Reeves. Yeah, I mean, I heard he's like a like, humble guy. It's like, you know, you can it's simply he talk trains. to him. I would like to just spend an hour talk about his training experiences. That's what I'd be down with. I'd love to talk to him about that. <clears throat> yeah, I think, I don't know if he lives in Toronto, but I think he's like more in like in Toronto a lot. But, you know, if that, I'd be lucky if I ran into him in Toronto, because, you know, like I said, that's like an hour and a half from where I'm at. So, yeah, that'd be nice to actually actually run into Keanu Reeves. Yeah, Keanu's, I, I would love to just geek out with him on training. I'd love to hear about his experiences training judo and, you know, all the firearms work he's done. He's done BJJ. He's done a bunch of stuff. And I'd, I'd be really interested to talk about training with him. Well, mostly I like to talk about his um, Bill and Ted um, um, situation. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah. All right. Final question. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, future plans for the next 10 years. Gosh, that's tough. Um, I, I hope to be continuing to run um, a martial arts school. Um, I uh, uh, Right now, my focus is so much on my students. And so in 10 years, I hope to have a passel of black belts um, all off. 
the cool thing, honestly, the, the bigger dream is I would love for them to have their own schools, right? And to have like a little mini organization of people who, who train with us, continue to train with us, but also have their own little satellite schools. We actually have two right now. Um, we have one in Joplin, Missouri, and we have one out in east the east side of town. Uh, uh, our senior student is teaching a Arnie's class on Monday nights. And so um, that's pretty cool. Um, and I would like to have more of those. I would love I would love to have like a little mini organization of people who are training in Arnie's here in the Midwest. That would be great. Yeah, just to expand to get out the, in the world pretty much. Yeah, I, and mainly because I, I'm so passionate about our style and it's very accessible for people from a wide variety of backgrounds and physical abilities. Um, Even if someone comes in and they decide to go to a different style, I think we can get people training, right? And then, you know, like I started in a different style and then I moved to mine. So a lot of people do that. And so uh, I I really want to get it out there, not only to represent the Filipino martial arts for the brilliant um, thing that it is, because it is, and uh, uh, really uh, 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 get out there and show people what the FMAs are and how they too can join us and having such a good time. Yeah, amazing. If you're not having fun, what's the point, right? (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. All right. So is there any last minute words you'd like to tell our listeners out there before we um, cut out? Uh, No, outside of our our website is kindredprotects.com. Um, I also write a blog at thestickchick.com, although it's been kind of, I haven't been as diligent writing it because I've been busy. Um, and if you're in Kansas City and you want to try the Filipino martial arts or you're experienced in the Filipino martial arts and just want to stop by and say hi, we'd love to have you. Ah, amazing. Okay. Thank you very much, Jackie, for joining me for this uh, pre-recorded episode. So I hope everything goes well for you. And of course, uh, the new year is approaching. So hope everything goes well at the start of um, 2023. And of course, uh, I let's just say this has been a pleasure actually um, chatting with you. It's been awesome. Thank you so much, TJ. All right. So I'm going to do my little closing for our little podcast. Uh, all right. For those who just tuned in for the first time, tune into my previous episodes on the BICBPRadio.com, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And I'll see you next time for another episode here at the KickPod Podcast. This is your host, TJ Williams, bowing you out.